Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. So if you would take your Bibles and turn over to the book of Ecclesiastes this morning. Today I want to just share something brief with you um, and uh, just give you a short little meal. Come on, turn to somebody and say, it's about time he preached short. Uh, no, you don't have to do that. Just, I want to talk about your relationships for, for today and give you some practical things concerning your relationships. Uh, you know, we have relationships on various levels. God created us for this very thing, to, uh, to commune with one another and communicate and to be involved in each other's lives. Even he himself saw that Adam had a void in his life in Genesis. After he created Adam and created all the world and all the animals and the trees and birds of the air and the fish of the sea and everything that walked on the earth, and, and he saw something as he's communing with Adam every day. This is extraordinary that God would come and visit Adam in the garden, and they would walk together, the scripture says, in the cool of the day and the cool of the evening, I guess right around sunset or so. And they spent this time together talking and walking together. And, but God, after a while, noticed something missing in Adam's life. And he said, it's not good that man should be alone. Isn't that extraordinary? I mean, God was with him every day, and yet God saw something that Adam needed that he himself would not be able to fulfill. That, God, that Adam needed a partner. As a matter of fact, God, Adam needed somebody for him like he was for God. Somebody that would be a helper that was meet for him and that they could enjoy life on the earth together as two. And, and when, when God created Eve after he put Adam in a deep sleep, and then Adam woke up. Think about it. He went to bed a bachelor and woke up married. So, he, what a deal, huh? I mean, he can't even blame that on getting drunk. Like, he just woke up married. God did that. And, 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 and that's how she got her name. I mean, Adam woke up and said, whoa, man. Okay. Therefore, she was woman from that day forward, and they, God blessed them. And Adam said, this is now flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. And for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. He didn't even have a father and mother. The mother was earth, born right out of the, you know, formed right out of the dust of the earth, and God was his father. But he said, and Adam really is prophesying for generations to come. Shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife? And the two shall become one flesh. And uh, so God made us for relationship. And so I, I don't have time to cover every area of that. But today I want to just talk about four areas of relationships that affect your life the most. I'm talking about besides your relationship with God. I'm talking about the relationships you have here on the earth. And so we're going to go pretty quickly. And I want to encourage you to take some notes because we're going to bring some things up on the, on the screen for you. Uh, just some practical things for your life, okay? I'm here to help you and to bless you and... And uh, get you out of here. So, but uh, to, uh, these areas of relationships will ultimately determine your quality of life. And if Ecclesiastes chapter 4, let's bring up that verse of Scripture if we could. Because we haven't even read it yet, I don't think, have we? Verse 9, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Verse 10, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. 
11. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? 12. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Let's check out the message translation of these verses for a moment as well. It's better to have a partner than go it alone. Share the work, share the wealth. And if one falls down, the other helps. But if there's no one to help, tough. Two in a bed warm each other. Alone, you shiver all night. Be by yourself, you're unprotected. With a friend, you can face the worst. Can you round up a third? A three-stranded rope isn't easily snapped. Now, Father, I want to thank you for this time, Lord, these next few minutes here with my family. Lord, we pray now for the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ to be upon your people. Father, I thank you that they took the time to give attention to you, to give attention to your house, to give attention to hearing the word. And I pray, God, you would reward them with seed well planted in their hearts today. And Lord, that it will produce the fruit of the life of God in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. This first relationship that, that we're going to look into today is your marriage. I mean, I even found out that's the most significant thing going on on this earth next to your relationship with God. The person you marry is going to have an immeasurable effect on your life. And so how is it that you're living that everyday partnership? What does that look like in your home? What does that look like between you and her? And maybe even in as far as if you have children, how that whole dynamic works. I like Ecclesiastes chapter 9. It says, enjoy the life with, enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, which God has given to you under the sun. For this is your reward in life. You know, life's too short not to enjoy it. There's no point continuing one more day being miserable and being combative with one another. So there are things I want to just help you, give you a few things in resolving conflict in your own marriage. All right? How many of you are married in here today? All right? Good, good. This can help all of you. All right, I've been married for almost 21 years now, and so we've, Heather and I have learned um, quite a few things. She didn't want to be here for this today, that's why she's not here. Uh, she didn't want to, she doesn't, she doesn't think I know what I'm talking about, so she, no, I'm just kidding. She's going to get stuff for the picnic today. She was here at the early service, so she's trying to get food ready for you. Amen. Uh, no, but, uh, you know, we've learned things, and we've learned how to, how to fight effectively, <laughs> And how to fight destructively. You know, there are good ways to resolve. I mean, conflict is inevitable. It just is. And how you face that and how you deal with it uh, will determine, you know, how quickly you can get over and move past it and move forward and grow together. So um, number one here, I wanted to just look up on the board. I'm going to encourage you to take some notes today. Maybe this will help you. Reflect honor. Above all, reflect honor in all of your words and actions during a conflict, which is extremely difficult to do if you want to stay in the flesh, all right? If you want to please this flesh, you know, it's not just those words of honor when everything's going well, hmm? everything's good, and you both woke up in an exceptionally good mood that day, but how about when you're in conflict? Can you discipline yourself enough and respect and honor your partner enough that you're not going to go there? Right? You're not going to take it to that level of, of hatred and bitterness and all those kinds of things. But remember that your marriage is founded on love and promises to one another. Yeah. Those promises that you made that I'll be here with you in sickness and in health yeah. and forsaking all others. I'm keeping myself only unto you uh, as long as we're here on the earth. 
And so remember that, that this is your life partner. This isn't a prison sentence called life sentence. This is a marriage, all right? And you are you're bound to them for good. You might as well make the best of it. And so not only in the good times, but also in those times where it's very difficult to be mature enough and honoring and respectful enough to weigh your words, to watch your words before you open your mouth. You know, the scripture says to be quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen, slow to speak. Therefore, slow to wrath. Another, number two in how to resolve conflict is to select, an, <laughs> you might underline the word appropriate, time and place to resolve your conflict. All right? Select an appropriate. Nobody else wants to be in your fight with you, so keep it to yourselves. Amen. Hey, listen, I had to, this had to hit me first before it hit you. All right? So I'm like, Lord, are you sure you want me to share this? And I thought, yeah, I need to share it with them because I don't want to be the only one that has to change. All right, number three, agree to use a timeout. Now, timeout is good for adults. It really is, especially married. When things get out of control or escalate, all right, that you can both agree that right now we're not at the place where things are way too volatile, volatile, emotions are way too hot right now, you know, but also agree to take a time out, but also agree that you're going to come back and resolve this thing, all right, after things have cooled off. But sometimes you do just need some, some space, all right, because otherwise it just gets worse and worse. You just keep digging on each other, and the fight gets worse, and it escalates to, to something that was never intended to do, right? This will help you stay on the issue. Stay on the issue. Amen. Amen. Women especially. Because you like to, I'm not kidding, you like to make, you like to bring every problem, everything in at that moment. No, stay on the one issue that you're dealing with, all right? Okay. Try to avoid phrases like, you always do that. All right? Really? Always? All right. Calm down a little bit. And guys, listen. Listen to her. Listen to her. And ladies, you had a good opportunity to say amen there. Okay, the best type of communication, the best type of communication, number four, is to actively listen and repeat what your mate is saying. You know, if they, you want to make sure that you're hearing what they're saying. So not only listening, but showing that you're listening by saying, is, is this what you're saying? Blah, 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 blah. No, don't say blah, 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 because that'll, that'll just cause another fight. Is this, <laughs> is this what you're saying? I think I'm hearing you. And that way they feel like you're truly trying to hear what they're saying and they feel uh, understood and heard. Amen. Amen. Number five, attempt to find a win-win solution uh, where needs are met on both sides yeah. for both of you, that both of you come out winning in this deal. Amen? Amen. Remember, you're in this thing together for life, all right? We're looking yeah. for the good in all of this. Amen. Number six, accept any blame. I underline that too. Accept any blame for your part in the conflict and by all means, forgive one another. All right? Forgive each other. You're going to have to constantly be a forgiver if you're going to stay married. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Forgive one another. And I'm, I'm not talking about, I'm not, and, and forgiveness in, in this way. One, one proof or one way that you can truly show forgiveness is stop bringing up what happened before. Amen. Yeah, thank you, Charlie, because everybody else got real quiet. <laughs> stop bringing up what happened before. All right? If you're really going to, forgiveness is that choice to move forward and not hold their past against them. 
all right? And stop saying stuff like, I can forgive, but I'll never forget, all right? Okay, stop saying stuff like that. That doesn't help your marriage, all right? Forgive like you forgot, all right? Well, I can't forget. I know, but if you don't talk about it, then you won't think about it, all right? Just get it. Stop talking about it, all right? Talk about your future with one another. Talk about what's ahead, all right? So you've got to forgive. And forgiveness, don't wait on the feeling of forgiveness before you forgive. You're going to wait a long time, all right? Forgiveness starts with a choice, all right? Forgiveness starts here, forgiveness starts here, forgiveness starts here. Saying I forgive, and then the forgiveness feeling will follow along, hopefully not too long after, but sometimes it does take a while. All right, for forgiveness to really be known. If I go out here and cut a limb off of this green tree out here, I can drag that limb in here, and it's still going to have green leaves on it, isn't it? But that tree limb is as good as dead. But it's going to take some time for the effects of death to be seen in that tree limb. All right? Forgiveness works very much like that, that those feelings eventually will line up with the decision that you make to forgive. So you can make the choice to forgive and still feel that way, and and the, the the trap is to think, oh gosh, I didn't really forgive him because I still want to kill him. Right? But that's, but you made the choice. All right? Let, give your feelings time to line up with your choice. You can control how you feel. And you need to control how you feel by what you think. All right? So scripture doesn't give us an out when it comes to forgiveness. We're never justified. There is no good reason for us to ever harbor unforgiveness. Ever. Jesus forgave you of all your sins. You don't have an out. All right? And you did some funky, unforgivable stuff. But he forgave you anyway. But he forgave you anyway. Okay. All right. That was fun. All right. Number seven, protect times of fun, friendship, and intimacy from conflict. Mm. Mm -mm Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. All right, when you decide that you're going to go out and enjoy one another's company, don't bring your fight with you. Agree that you're not, this is not going to go spinning in a bad direction. All right? If you've got a, a conflict you need to deal with, you can do that on another time. But don't invite that into your fun time. Amen. Don't invite that there because, because if you bring it there, then, then you're going to hate. You're not going to look forward to. You're not ever going to want to or plan to spend those kinds of times together because they just turn out to be one more fight. All right? Just decide, agree together, love one another enough to say, you know what? We'll deal with that later. Let's party right now. Yeah. All right? And, it, and you can touch on that later. All right? Don't bring that into that place. And then lastly, make conflict resolution a regular habit in your life. All right? Face these things head on, deal with them, communicate, and then move forward. But don't avoid don't avoid these things. If it needs to be resolved, don't act like it's not there. Don't just try to suppress it and push it aside. Did I offend people? Just kidding. They're going to help. Anyway, sorry, Tommy, man. Your wife left, buddy. She didn't want to hear any of this. You're on your own, buddy. Miss Linda said, I've had enough of that. <laughs> but make a regular habit of, of resolving this stuff, all right? Remember, because we love one another. And that's the only way you're going to be able to move forward. Yeah. All right? Yeah. This, uh, this mayor of a major city. You know, I'm blessed to be married to the woman I'm married to. And I, 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 I'm, every time, you know, 
I think about her and I think about what God gave me when he gave me Heather, there's no way I could have seen 20 plus years ago what I see today. You know, I had no idea when I would begin to unwrap this gift God gave to me that the gift just kept on giving and giving and giving and giving and giving. And I think that I'm probably in a room, and I, I'll point at you if you don't agree with me, that you married up, hmm, full of guys that married up and were blessed, and cer- certainly blessed. Um, this, this mayor of a city was walking around downtown with his wife, and, and they were greeting people and, you know, politicking. Well, she, she mandered off over to this construction site and was talking to this construction worker. And uh, here in a little bit, she made her way back to her husband. And, and they were walking together and talking. And he said, who, who was that man you were talking to? She said, well, honey, believe it or not, I, al- I almost married that man years ago. He said, you did? You almost married that guy? She said, yes. So they continued to walk and talk a little bit. And he got to thinking. And finally, he stopped and said, you know, honey, if you'd married that guy, you'd be living on a construction worker's salary married to a construction worker. And she said, <laughs> sweetheart, if I'd married that man, he'd be the mayor of the city. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah. Yep. I knew you ladies would like that. Life is too short. Life is too short to be constantly miserable with the one you love. Make the best of it. Yeah. Amen. Make the best of it. Your marriage, this is the immeasurable effect it's having on your life. It's so important to invest the time and the energy and the love into your spouse, into your marriage to make it the best. All right, number two relationship that we're talking about is your church. Your church is vitally important. I think about the church and what it's done for my life through the years. Think of, I was raised in the house of God, and I'm grateful to God for that. The house of God is where I, I, I was saved. The house of God is where I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. Uh, it, it was where I was called to preach at the young age of 10 years old, where I had a, a major encounter with God. You guys have heard me tell the story that changed my life forever. I don't really necessarily remember, actually, I kind of have vague memories of, of the day I got saved because I was five years old, so it's, it's been a few years ago now, six or seven. And, and then, and then the, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You, I mean, how many of you remember the day you got baptized in the Spirit and started speaking in other tongues, right? I mean, that's a pretty memorable experience that you all of a sudden start talking this funny language, right? Yeah, I can remember. I don't remember that because I was raised in it, and it feels like I've just done it all my life. But I do remember the day I was called to preach, and that happened in the house of God. I got married in the house of God. Just like Everett did today, we dedicated our children to God in the house of God. These are real significant, meaningful times in our lives. Some of the best friends I've ever made in my life, I'm, I found them in the house of God. One sitting right there, Stephen Pilate. Found them he, here in the house is where all these things, people get saved in the house of God, made decisions and life changes in the house of God. Because here's where you are connected to your purpose. It's in the house. It's amongst believers Church is where everybody is somebody. I love that. And that's one thing I love about our church, and I hear this constantly. And you guys just need to know this. I need to just commend you for this. That I get told this all the time from people who are new here or you know, just visiting. They always tell me, Pastor, these people here are so friendly. I, your, your church is very welcoming and very loving. And I say, I know. I didn't even, I didn't even have to tell them to do that. They just do it. And I just commend you for that because you make everybody feel so welcome and special here. And I thank God you make me feel special. But this is what the church is about. And from your relationships with good, positive, 
faith-filled people. This is the atmosphere where it can happen, you know, where you can be in the environment of other believers and, and where you're worshiping God together and praying together. And there's so much strength that you find, personal strength that you find in that corporate gathering. It's powerful. You know, you find people that you can pray with and who can encourage you. And ultimately, the house of God coming here regularly is what mostly affects your perspective of God, yeah. right? Because you, you have your own personal perspective and your own time with him, but there are times when, you know, you've got a busy week and you haven't got to spend the time in prayer and the word like you want to, but being here on a regular basis, you get yeah. that perspective, right? That yeah. proper perspective. Yeah. And th this is where you thrive in your pur purpose because 1 Corinthians 12 27 says that now you are all members of the body of Christ. Uh, uh, you're, I'm sorry, now you are the body of Christ and members individually. So all of you, this, see how significant you are and how important it is for you to be connected to the body and being gathered together. Just like, I mean, if your body all of a sudden parts just started disassembling, you wouldn't appreciate that very much, right? So that's why it's important that we gather together to assemble together because every part of us, individual members, we, we bring supply to other parts, and other parts bring supply to us. And this is how the body grows. That's what Ephesians chapter 4 says. We don't have time to read it, but anyway, it says that every joint supplies, and we're all connected to the head, which is Christ, yeah. right? So we're making, we, we are his body in the earth, and his body gives ministry, not only within, but without as well. His body is working in the earth, and we, as his body, are connected to our purpose when we are gathered here in this setting. Because we realize that, yeah, I am an individual member, but I am also an individual member of a body. I'm part of something greater than myself. All right? So, you know, whether you, uh, we, we don't just come here to just hang out and go, yeah, that was cool. I mean, we're going to hang out this afternoon at this picnic and stuff. But there's something that happens in the spirit. There's a giving and there's a receiving. There's a supply. When you came in here today, you might not even been mindful of that you came with supply that would help another member of the body of Christ. Whether it was just a simple handshake or a greeting, yeah. a, an encouraging yeah. word, a prayer with somebody. Well, you served as an usher here today or worked in the nursery or kids' church or media or made coffee or whatever it might be. You read the scripture like Pearl so beautifully does. Yeah. Right. You bring supply, but you also receive supply as well. It's not just about you coming to give, and it's not just about you coming to receive. Both things are at work together. Amen. So that we can clearly represent Jesus in the earth. And I'm grateful to be a part of a church where you love one another, and there's, there's really, I, I've never seen a church quite like this one. I've been in church, churches through the years, but this is the, the most non-combative group of people I've ever met in my life. And I just commend you for that. Because uh, the other places, well, let me just read about this one place, this church in Arkansas. It's former pastor, that's so funny because I didn't know you were going to be here before I saw this. Pastor Eric Daniel Harris, who was 37, now this has happened some years ago, he pled, pled guilty to arson that burned down the Kentucky Missionary Baptist Church in Saline County, Arkansas. You know where that is, Saline County? Oh. According to a federal prosecutor, Harris said, this is the pastor of the church, said that he burned it down. There was a division among church members, and they needed a project to unify them. So if you guys 
don't get along? I'll burn this place to the ground. <laughs> Psalm chapter 92. I'm glad I don't have those kind of problems. Bless his heart. He ended up, I think he ended up going to prison for like 20 years for that, but <clears throat> kind of backfired. Verse 13. Those who are planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of our God. You see that? Planted. Say planted. Not planted, uprooted, planted. I didn't like the service. I didn't like what the pastor said, so now I'm going to go over to this church over here and then, and t- until I get ticked off over there, and then I'm going to go over to this other church until somebody hurts me over there, and then I'm going to get up. I'm going to go. I'm going to get planted. And I'm going to get uprooted. I'm going to get planted. I'm going to get uprooted. I'm going to plant. Those who are planted, 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 planted in the house of God shall flourish in the courts of our God. Verse 14, they shall still bear fruit in old age. And you're not even old yet, and you're saying amen. I bless you. In old, they shall be fresh and flourishing. Think about it. That's a, that's a powerful thought, isn't it? So there's kind of an indirect promise here that there's long life for those who stay in church. They'll bear fruit in old age. Those who are planted in the house of God. And they'll be fresh. And they'll be flourishing. So by being planted in the house of God with other believers, when you grow old, your life's not over. You're still bearing fruit. You're not just biding time till the glory train comes to get you. Huh? You're still bearing fruit. You might have retired from work, but you didn't retire from your purpose. Huh? Still bearing fruit. Still living it. Amen. Amen. Number three, relationship that affects you is <laughs> your coworkers. Your coworkers. Now, I don't know what your experience is, but I have a feeling there's one or two bad experiences somewhere in there amongst coworkers. Because things can get sticky amongst coworkers. All right? Because there's always a bit, though maybe nobody talks about it, there is a bit of competition always going on. Because somebody's going to get the promotion, right? Somebody's going to be moving up, and somebody's trying to get the boss's attention or whatever it might be. So there, it can get tense at times. And, but you need to recognize the influence of your coworkers and learn to control that influence's effect upon your personal life. Because every day, you're going to face people who will disagree with you, who will challenge you, flat out annoy you. Am I in the right church? Okay. You ought to see the people I got to work with. None of them are in here. They're all working. Bless their hearts. But, but you have to learn not to be rattled by that. You know, or let what they do cause a negative reaction from you. But uh, you continue to be who you are and let your light shine. Because here's the thing. You might not be at the job that you ultimately want, but let's praise God that we have a job. Praise God that you have a job. And understand that God's with you in this job. He's not waiting for you to get to the other job either for everything to go right. All right? Because you're going to find when you get to that, what you think might be the perfect job, guess what? There's still going to be people. And you're still going to have reasons 
for annoyance. You're still going to be challenged. It doesn't matter where you go, all right? If you want to get away from people, you're just going to have to die. That's your option, all right? I don't recommend that. I want you to stick around because you have to understand that where he is in your life, God is in your life, that means that where you are right now, if you'll see it as an assignment from God instead of an annoyance, instead of as a hindrance until I get to where I really want to be, but if you'll see right now, I'm living in the right now moment amongst coworkers and God has put me here, I'm here right now and God can use me in this place to affect their lives for good, to be a light that shines, to, to put my, my hands at work and do the best that I can amongst these coworkers, even though they might be knuckleheads. Huh? Just understand that God has a plan for you right now. All right? He's in it with you right now. So do your best with it. The scripture says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And if it's possible, Paul says, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. You know, you're not going to be able to win everybody. It doesn't keep you, shouldn't keep you from being peaceful regardless of what other people do. Aren't you glad God loved you regardless of what you did? In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us? Huh? So because we have his nature, then it's on us then to be who we are. Despite what other people do. To have that unconditional kind of love. Amen. And, and so you never know that you may inspire someone by simply keeping to yourself, doing your business, doing the right thing, always having your speech be with grace. Amen. And do your best to work well with others. And one, sim- one simple way, really, to, to, to keep your heart right in this deal is to continually thank the Lord for where you are. Amen. And pray for your coworkers. They need it. And number four, the last thing is your social life. I thank God for the friends I have, and especially for that guy right there. Stephen and I met when we were 10 years old, and we've been best friends since. And even though there, were, there have been times in our life where there were years gone by that we didn't see each other, but he's the kind of friend that, I can, we can meet up and we can just pick up where we left off, right? He's low maintenance, he's loyal, he loves me and he knows just about everything about me and still loves me and that's, that's, that's a real friend and I thank God for him uh, because people like that are, are hard to come by and I want to be that kind of friend as well. You know, it's on us to be the kind of friend that we want to be. The scripture says, he who has friends must first show himself friendly, right? So if you're having trouble finding friends, you might be the problem. Okay, it might not be that everybody's ignoring you and nobody cares. It might be that you need to change some things about yourself and be honest enough to, 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 you know, to face the things that maybe they've said about you. You're an idiot. You're a jerk. You're awkward. You, 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 you're clingy. Heather and I used to have these friends. We loved these friends, but it was so difficult. I, I loved hanging around them for just, you know, in spurts. You know, those kind of people, you know. You, but they wanted to be with us all the time, so there's some imbalance there. And uh, this is when we were living out in West Texas, and, and we loved to, to hang out with them because they were fun, but, but the guilt trip we would get if we didn't call them or, oh gosh. I mean, it was constant maintenance. Like if they found out we hung out with somebody else, it was, well, you didn't call it. Why didn't you call us? We didn't want to call you. (laughs) That's the reason your phone didn't ring. We didn't want you there. 
accept reality. Then people have a hard time understanding that. They just don't get it, right? And it was, but here's the thing. You don't ever, they say, so you don't ever call us. You don't ever call me either. If you're the one that has to do, put all the energy and the work in the relationship, stop hanging out with those people. You don't have to hang out with everybody just because you're a Christian. Amen. Amen? You can love people from a distance. And I want to recommend you do that. Find some friends who will love you and who you can be yourself around. You can relax around. You need those kind of people in your life. Amen. As a pastor, I have to hang out with everybody. So uh, anyway, I'm the exception to the rule, I guess. But Proverbs 27, 6 says this, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Now, I used to read that scripture and say, what the heck does that mean? What it means is a friend is going to tell you you're being stupid when you're being stupid. Because they love you and they believe in you. And they want to see you living in your best. Uh, a, a, an enemy of yours is just going to flatter you. And then, and then once they've done that enough, then they're going to turn around on you and slash your throat. All right? They'll do, it, it just doesn't work. Like a friend will be able to, well, they'll tell you when you need to be told. You know? But it's a faithful wound. A faithful wound is one that will heal because it's for your good. They love you. It's like that's why we whip our kids, right? It's painful for a moment, but it knocks the stupid right out of them. Well, I got two people with me. Amen. Because as much as we need encouragement, we also need correction in our lives, and a friend will be that for you. Amen. So choose wisely. Your friendships say much about the quality of your life. Get around people who have the same kind of values that you do, all right, and flourish in life. Because a real friend is one who will constantly talk to you about your future, not about your mistakes, not about your past, but about what's ahead of you and what they believe you can do and who you are. Amen? So your marriage, your church, your coworkers, and your social life. These are the areas, and I want to take careful inspection of those things and, and, and ask the Lord to help you and give you wisdom in how to improve your own self when it comes to all of these relationships. Amen? Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you, God, for this great church. Thank you for my family here. Lord, you're so good to us. We thank you that you so loved us that you gave us Jesus. And when you gave us Jesus, you gave us everything that pertains to life and godliness. And we thank you that we are complete in him. Thank you that you are a very present help in time of need. I pray, God, for these here today. Maybe there's been something that's said today that struck a chord with them where they realize that they need to make some changes. But, Father, they wouldn't feel down on themselves. But, Lord, they would be challenged and they would be encouraged and inspired to move forward and to grow and to change. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, that your grace and peace is abundant to us so that we don't get caught up in our faults and failures. And Father, you continually give us that future and a hope, a future and a hope, a future and a hope. So we won't get caught up in the past and we won't get caught up in where we are right now. But Father, help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to walk by the Spirit and to put to death the deeds of the flesh so that we can thrive in life, thrive in our relationships. Thank you, Father. You are truly a very present help in time of need. And your spirit who is in us 
guides and directs and leads us into all truth. We thank you, Lord. Thank you that Christ died for our sins and that he was buried and that God raised him from the dead. And because of that, we all have hope forever and ever and ever because he who died dies no more so that we who live, Lord, can live unto you and knowing that our life really begins at that moment when we believe on you. And from that day forward, it's forever. And forever we will be in relationships. Forever and ever and ever. And right now we're just practicing for that day. For that day when we'll always be together forever with the Lord. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.